Hi guys, welcome back. This is Esther again, and I'm joined by the amazing Doug from America. Hi Doug, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's our 4th of July when we're recording this, so uh, oh, yeah. it's, it's, very, it's very interesting to be talking to somebody from England who are now good friends again. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like quite a short time we've actually known each other, but it feels a lot longer somehow. You know what? Uh, there's certain relationships where that happens, and there's certain con connectivities that happen with certain people that it just doesn't take long to feel like you've known each other for at least one lifetime, if not more. Yeah, and that, that's lovely. I mean, I definitely feel this is the connection that I was meant to make. When Tasha first got the Tasha, guys, Tasha introduced us, and you all know who I mean by Tasha. I talk about her all the time. But when Tasha first reached out and said I should, she just said, You just have to meet him. And that was it. That was it in the conversation. So okay. <laughs> it's that's uh, fun. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've had the I've had the I've had the pleasure of meeting her twice. So uh um, something must have sparked in her with what I'm doing to put me in, in in contact with you and what a lovely connection that's been. Yeah, I think she knew what all the different groups of people I want to work with. I think that's probably what smart, sparked in her. Right. Was what, um, but um, to answer that and to tell everyone what we're talking about, Doug, do you want to tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? I sure can. So I'm Doug Cornfield. I live in upstate or central New York in Corning, New York, born and raised um, outside the Philadelphia area, actually born in Philly and raised outside of the Philadelphia area. And, you know, I have seven children, which is kind of rare, all with one wife, uh, which is even more rare. And what I do I is... Seven. Wow, that's busy. <laughs> yes. Uh, my youngest son will be a senior in high school this coming year. Okay. And I already have five grandkids. So it's, uh, oh. when I say life is a blur, I really, really mean it, Esther. Um, <laughs> and, and, and every 10 years seems like it goes faster and faster and faster. And uh, I, I kind of want to slow it down, but it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. And, and so I want to make the most of the time that I have. And I met this amazing person 23 years ago, read an article about him in the newspaper and to he's a polio survivor. So we don't hear about polio very often, um, but he had polio as an infant right here in this little town of Corny, New York, and he's never walked with crutches or braces. And I say that because I have a son that was born with no arms developed as well. And as the winds blew Dave Clark and I together many years ago, uh, we became friends. We were both living in a very small town. I got to meet him. I got that breakfast. Uh, he became a client of mine at the time. And 10 or so years later, we actually partnered as business partners. And what our main focus in, in I guess, our relevance of this world, even though his story is quite amazing, uh, five foot two crutches. And even though England doesn't know as much about baseball, um, Dave Clark had a 10 year career of playing minor league baseball in our country, but off his crutches as a pitcher. And it's an amazing life story of overcoming and having a son born with no arms, uh, the winds blew Dave and I together. And now our main focus of what we do is we actually run sports camps, primarily baseball, but we've done hockey and, and we're looking to expand what we do with what we call disability dream and do sports events. And so in a nutshell, that's uh, really my, my end of life focus, I guess, is to run these sports camps, be an inspiration, um, explore potential with folks that have, have limitations, uh, be an encouragement to them and create um, these events where they get to meet people like Dave Clark and be inspired to their own uh, potential fulfillment. So your son, is he in the middle of your seven children or older, younger? He's number five of the seven, second son okay. of four sons. Okay. So how did all his siblings adapt to his you know, They adapt much easier than we do as adults. You know, I kind of have an interesting story I can tell about that because uh, we didn't know um, Gideon was going to be born with neither arm. We actually did two home births with his older sisters. And so we had a doctor friend, but we weren't really getting, you know, uh, the sonograms and all the different things. And so we had no idea. 
And one morning, um, my wife wakes up and it's an, you know, things are not right. And we had an emergency delivery. Um, it was about nine weeks early, eight and a half, nine weeks early. He was only two pounds, 13 ounces. And it wasn't until he was delivered that we found out that he had no arms. And uh, later we found out he actually had one leg shorter than the other as well. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty traumatic time. Probably one of the most traumatic yeah, times. When you first sit down to see your child. <laughs> right. Of, of my life, you know, him being wished away and put on life support. And, you know, just the first, the first steps were to keep this young baby alive. Second steps were okay. And so that was a pretty rough morning. I had to call friends to watch our four other children. And uh, they came by, we went to the, we went to the hospital. Um, and then that night we went to this friend's house and uh, my wife was still in the hospital with my son, Gideon, but I went back to share the news with my four older children who were nine and under at the time, nine to nine to one and a half, you know, or just almost two, nine to almost two. And it was one of those things where I was a, I was an emotional wreck. I was sharing with my children um, about their little brother and then he had some differences. And I don't even know the words that I said because of the emotions. And all my four children could say is, okay, daddy, when do we get to go see him? Oh, you know, and they put it in perspective. They didn't, they didn't care if he had limitations. They didn't care if he was a preemie. They just wanted to see their little brother. And, you know, and it really helped me at that time put things somewhat in perspective because children are so much more willing to be inclusive and accepting than even we adults. My mom always said about the um, when she, uh, her Parkinson's symptoms was showing, she always loved it when kids would be really direct and just ask questions. Mm -hmm. And like she would remember, like parents go, shh. Oh, right, right. Trying to hush them, and she'd always be like, "You can ask me what you like. I'd right. rather someone come up and ask me than just stare at me or just Correct. make judgments about me or presume." And yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say my son has dealt with that, and and he's dealt. And we wanted to train him to help his spirit make people comfortable with him knowing that he was different knowing you know his situation is uh, different and it might be awkward for somebody to see him uh, when they realize he has uh, arm limitations uh, and he's he's learned how to be very gracious towards especially younger children when they come up to him and they'll say something like when are your arms going to grow or you know they're just they're curious and you know and he's very gracious to not be offended by that because they're just asking an innocent question uh, where it, where it goes over the line is if it becomes hateful, you know, um, there, there is, there are lines that can be drawn uh, in that situation, but when it's just innocence, asking an innocent question, that's so much more easier to deal with. And, uh, and my what? son's learned how to make people very comfortable with him, regardless of his situation. So is he, I can imagine knowing you, that he's pretty feisty and independent and just gets on with stuff. Is that right? Well, he, he's, you know, he's been a huge part of, of our organization over the years. Um, at this point, he's actually exploring other opportunities and other things that he'd like to do. Um, and so he's trying to figure it out. You know, it's, uh, there's, there's some jobs that are very difficult for him to do. And he's learned that that doesn't work for him. Um, and then he's, he, he's trying to figure life out, you know, at this point. And there's some things that I hope that he uh, considers. He just turned 25. Okay. But he's been a huge part of the fundraising prior to us starting our Pulling Each Other Along Collective. Uh, he's been a huge part of that. And he was just with me and my older, one of my daughters was with me at our sports camp down in, in Hudson Valley, New York, just a few weeks ago, which was a beautiful thing. And uh, and so they're, they're as involved, but since COVID, they've gotten less involved because our, we had to pivot so much. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. Um, so has he ever considered something like what I do? Because that would be perfect for him. Self-employed, independent, doing it his own way. Well, we kind of were doing all that. And I, and I think right now what's attractive to him is to find 40 hours of work week and just be done with it. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I think he's going to have to think outside the box and, 
Uh, he's in that exploratory mode. And as long as he's exploring and trying to figure out, you know, so it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. Let's put it that way. And, and, uh, does he have certain things he's particularly interested in or leans? Yeah, he loves history, you know, so he's a history buff. Uh, which okay. is very, very interesting, but hard to make money in history. Um, so we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll history see where that teacher. goes. What's that? History teacher? Possibly, but then he'd have to go to school for that. And he's only done high school and wasn't really interested in further education. It bored him, you know, to be honest. And, um, you know, we'll just have to see, you know, we'll, we'll see where he's at, but he does, he does have a, an extreme, um interest in learning specifically history um and uh he's pretty good at it you know so uh, he's so good at it one time we were doing a fundraiser at a museum nearby and there was a gun an old um i think a civil war uh aged gun and basically looked at it and he said that's not the right that's not the right name they had it marked wrong um, so he actually knew that the gun was marked wrong. And we actually confirmed that with the head of the uh, museum. We went up to him and said, I don't know, my son's saying, I don't know if he's right or wrong, but he's saying that that gun uh, is marked wrong. And lo and behold, he was 100% correct. Good for him. So, yeah, no, I, I, I just, I just, I was just thinking back at that time when I was exploring and trying to figure out what I was doing. I remember my dad telling me, it's just as important to try things and find out you don't like them as right. it is you do like them. And right. He, he actually recently took a job. He actually recently took a job and he worked he worked several weeks there, but he didn't like the fact that uh, too many of his fellow employees had to cover for him for things that he just wasn't able to do quick enough or well enough. And he doesn't want to be in that situation. He wants to be able to fully be able to do his job and find the right um, place for him in, in that. And so we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll continue to eye it as a father. Yeah, yeah. So is he still living at home with you? or He, he does, yeah. And he's earned his rent uh, multiple times over with the work that he's done for us. <laughs> yeah, can imagine. So talking about work, so how did you, I mean, did... It, was it Dave's idea of doing the camp or was it yours or did you come together at the same sort of time or was the concept already born before you came friends or how did it all start? Yeah, so it kind of started, I think, in Indianapolis for Dave back in the 1970s or early 80s um, when he actually probably when he owned a team. I think he had done some events um, in the 70s around the Corning area working with people with disabilities but when he owned his own baseball team, he started doing some impromptu camps and he would go to like a nearby um, facility, a home, uh, mostly where adults were, uh, but that needed uh, some care, some type of care. And so he'd go into that, that adult home. He'd knock on the door, very impromptu, said, hey, we're having a game tonight. Uh, we have practice at two o'clock if anybody wants to come over. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll hit some balls on the field and, you know, and lo and behold, 15, 10, 15, 20 adults would come over from these homes. Uh, mostly they had some kind of physical or usually intellectual challenge. And uh, they would do a little mini camp, like a mini clinic, uh, playing baseball with these professional baseball players uh, when Dave's team came to town. And then he also then said, hey, at the end of that little clinic, he would say, here's some tickets. If anybody wants to come back, he would give them tickets to come back to the game. And so really that birthed what we do today, long before I knew Dave. Um, and then uh, back about 16, 17 years ago, uh, when he moved to Florida, he um, connected with the owner of the what we what's now called the Fort Myers Mighty Muscle. It was the Fort Myers Miracle, but with the Twins, the Minnesota Twins minor league team. And he talked to the owner and then talked to the general manager and said, hey, I'd love to do a sports camp for kids with limitations. And what we now call Disability Dream and Do was born uh, several years, about four or five years before I got involved. Okay, so how did you personally, was it just through your friendship or... Um, well, through our friendship and then newly formed business partnership. So I left um, a major financial institution here in 
in um, Corning that I worked for. And when I left, uh, I'd always told Dave, because he was a client of mine, I said, Dave, I want to do something with your story. I just don't exactly know what it is. And so I put up a website and I got him a speaking event in Orlando um, through calling and through just making connections and all the different things that you do. And we got a speaking event for him where they wanted him on a panel, a sports panel for diversity. And, you know, there was some people of color, you know, that were on there in the racing, uh, you know, sports racing world. There was somebody from a college um, that dealt with diversity in sports and somebody else on that panel. But because of Dave's unique story, um, Richard Lapchick, who was running this event, it was a big event. I mean, there were some really well-known people there at this event. And they wanted Dave to share his story. So he spoke for about 20 minutes. And I had this all on film, on video. I still use these clips to today. And he shared three stories. Um, one of them, our origin story for the pulling each other along. I think it was the first time he'd ever shared it uh, where I got it on video. And you could have heard a pin drop. And as soon as he got done speaking, uh, instant standing ovation. And literally that weekend, uh, Dave and I shook hands on becoming business partners, primarily to promote his life story. Um, the camps came out of our business meetings and me experiencing the event um, a few months later in, in Florida. Okay. So how did it come? Because the side we haven't met, mentioned yet is the collective of yes. businesses as you use to fund it. But how did that come about? If the as we say, uh, you, you know, so so Esther, you might not know a lot about baseball. You might know a little bit more about cricket and soccer. You know, yeah, depending I know on nothing about sports. Full stop. <laughs> I'm not a sports person. So, if you know anything, you know that a guy five foot two and on crutches is probably not going to play professional sports, correct? You know that yeah. much. Okay. Yeah, I know that much. And so Dave had to think outside the box. And one of the things that he developed is a pitch called the knuckleball. Okay, so the knuckleball is thrown with the tips of your fingers or literally your knuckles. And right. it's pitched in such a way that it doesn't spin or hardly spins catches the air and floats like a butterfly oh nice so because he was never going to be able to throw extremely hard fast and other things he had to think out of you know desperation and so he literally calls what he did a desperation pitch um and threw the knuckleball well that parlayed him to get into the pros and uh, at the minor league level. And then as a coach in the major league level and as an Olympic coach and owning his own team. So it literally him thinking outside the box created his path. So when we started these camps, we started realizing they're not cheap to run. Um, it's money out, money out, money out, money out. And Dave and I had made a commitment to never charge the families that come to the event. Now you think about, it, we just fed 300 people. We just gave out T-shirts to all the kids, hats to all the kids, tickets to the whole family, all the volunteers, feeding 300 people. Um, that's an event that costs quite a bit of money and time to put together. And so when we started doing these, we weren't getting enough speaking events and other business activities. So I had to figure out how are we going to raise money? And at the time, our biggest fundraiser, this is when we started, was actually selling a honey jar with Dave's logos cut into the glass filled with honey. It's a mason okay. jar filled with honey. And that's where my son Gideon comes in and my, my daughter later. Um, we started selling honey to raise money for our sports camps and keep them free. And it was, we call honey our desperation pitch, so to speak, because we needed something. And later when COVID knocked the honey train off the track and our speaking train off the track, we had, I had to come up with something different. And so I got with some younger men that were in the business world and we came up with the concepts that I'd already developed, but, you know, with consulting and getting other minds involved, we came up with, let's, let's, let's use our unique um, people that we know and, you know, on our, on our Rolodex and let's pull those people together. Let's ask them to help fund what we do in our sports camps. So we're doing good in the world, but our give back is to also help them 
in their businesses. And so I came up with this whole, what I'm now calling the pulling each other along collective concept and inviting people literally from all over the world, you being our first international uh, yeah. collective member. <laughs> Proud of that title. I'm the first. I like. You're, that. You're, you are definitely the first international collective uh, full member, and also a founding member of the collective. And we're inviting people in because um, we don't want our ROI is, is in the business world. You know, return on investment just to be. You know, how much money did you make? Our ROI is. You know, what is our return on impact? What is our return on intention? What is our return on inclusion? But as a business people, we also want our business people part of the collective to get a return on their investment and have that that ROI that they're seeking. But at the same time, we're all working together to help each other and do this great thing that we do with the, the sports events and hopefully soon other events for kids and, and young adults with all different limitations. And I must admit, that's what got me involved, was the idea of a group of people coming along, pulling each other along. It's the concept that everyone has different strengths and different weaknesses, whether you're disabled, abled, it doesn't matter. Everyone has their own strengths and their own weaknesses. Right. And and I loved the idea of everyone needing pulling at some point everyone needing pushing at some point yep. and 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 the fact that it works with people with disabled but it's almost irrelevant they're disabled almost because it's talking about everyone being able to have a go everyone being able to treat as equal I would or would you disagree with that I see your face but not sure you agree with that statement but to me it almost seems because you're saying to them okay no matter your disability no matter what there's you can have a go you can try you'll have your own way of doing it you'll have your own and doesn't everyone have to find that everyone has limitations so whether we have a disability where you can actually see it where your foot is gone or your arms aren't there or you have an intellectual challenge because you were you know you you are down syndrome or whatever you have um, cerebral palsy there's so many different things muscular dystrophy we all have limitations um, and so with that, we all need to be pulled along at times. We all need to be instructed. We all need coaching. I needed coaching a year and a half ago when I was like hitting a roadblock and I didn't know what to do, but I needed good coaching. And fortunately I was able to find it and, uh, and kind of filter that out. And that's what came up with this new concept, newer concept of the collective. And it's actually working. We have momentum. We're able to feel like, okay, we can keep these camps going and we're bringing people in. And, and I'll give you a, for instance, um, we just did our camp. You probably saw a video where we had one of our, one of our participants get a baseball bat, but it was a personalized baseball bat to her. Now this little girl's from India originally. She's been adopted here to the U S she has a rare form of dwarfism. She's mostly nonverbal, but because of her unique personality, her social media presence has gone through the roof. So when we did this little presentation, and I've gotten to know her father because this little girl has come to our events actually three or four years now. And I, I tell people I'm her first real fan because I really am. I'm one of the first people that said, oh my gosh, she's, she's great and connected her with some different people. And, and, uh, and her parents are actually part of our collective as well. But um so so we gave her a baseball bat from one of our other collective members who owns a baseball bat company. Mm-hmm. That video is probably well over half a million views on social media. Oh, right wow. Now. wow, I didn't realize it gone so bad. And, and so I was able to make that happen for one of our collective members. Now, I'm not going to be able to do that maybe with every member, but we want to find the ways that we can help each other. And so, you know, it's going to be different. I might not be able to help some of the other collective members hardly at all, but where I might be able to help them is introduce them to you or have them be introduced, you know, back and forth uh, to somebody else. And so just like Tasha, Tasha is in a similar group with me with podcasting. Well, she introduced me to you and I would never know you, but she knew there was something that I said that would resonate with you or she believed that that would be the case. 
and she was right. And so now we're helping each other. I want to help you grow your business. You want to help the collective grow and you're helping with our camps. And so this pulling each other along is about help having all of us get the trophy, but by working together, not just by grabbing a trophy because somebody only pulled us along. We're all trying to help each other. No, no, I love that. That's definitely one of the main reasons I got involved. And I am also quite excited and looking forward to the idea of you starting different types of camps because that is something I could get excited about. I must admit, I'll never be excited about a sports camp. I just won't be. <laughs> and, uh, oh, unless you came to one, you'd be surprised. I, I'd, get you, I'd get you hitting a ball. That's what I would do. I, I would say, Esther, it's time for you to hit a baseball. My coordination is just even before. No, no, no. We, we would get you doing it and you would have so much fun. I can see the smile on your face right now. <laughs> well, it's interesting. When I mentioned to my family that I was being involved with the sports cap, they literally couldn't stop laughing. They did <laughs> not stop laughing. I was like, it's really great. And they were like, yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's, it's truly not about the sports. And I, I, I'm aware of that. But the, even even more interesting, the other story of sports with me. So when I first found out I was losing my leg, when I was in hospital, I'd just come back from America, only been back in the UK for 24 hours when they told me they were going to take my leg. Mm. And the next day, the consultant was doing a Zoom with my whole family. So they mm. could all have a chance to ask whatever questions they like. And my twin brother said, but you'll never play football again. And I just said, oh, hang on, when in the last 45 years have you ever known me to play football, ever taken any interest in football? In fact, as kids, when our dad used to take us to play football every week, um, so you guys ran around, I went to sat on the grass and, and did anything but play football. And, um, so the whole concept of what that was, what his first worry was, the first concern was, just made me laugh. Just right. thank you. And for our oh. and for our American speaking um, people that are from America, or English speaking people from America, no, she means soccer, <laughs> not football. But she no, meant she meant to, to play football in in England. So you you've actually now given me a new goal which is to do a disability dream and do football or slash soccer camp in England and have you play. That's, that's our new goal. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> that's not the goal I want, I want to be involved in. If, if you come and do an art camp or a business camp or a mindset camp, I'm all over, all over it. You come and do a football camp, nah, I'll come and cheer you along. I'll come and cheer you along. I'll come and... Um, um, hand out oranges and apples at the half time how about that there you go there you go well that would that would still be fun either way you know but yes <laughs> we, we do we do want to expand um you know really my next couple of months now i have one more camp coming up that we have scheduled in august uh, 26th uh it looks Where like that? that'll be actually our home camp here in corning we try to do one every year in corning uh corning new york and so Dave flies up or sometimes he's driven up, but usually flies. Um, and so he comes up, Dave Stevens, our other Dave usually comes as well. And we actually get a lot of the older folks from the group homes to come to our camp here with the, with the one in Corning. And we get our local college team to help out. Um, you know, we cook out for everybody. So again, it's sandwiches and hamburgers and hot dogs and pizza for the whole, for the, everybody that comes. And we just make it a, a fun, a fun day right here at our home where we're we're really Dave's inspirational story all started uh, right here yeah. in this little. I little get that. Town. I think the connection of it all needs to stay, doesn't it? You need to keep. That. Right. So, um, uh, um, oh God, I've, my thought went out of my head, but I will I tell you the thought went out of my head and something else came into my head. So one question I do like to ask everyone I talk to here. And if I remember, I don't always remember. If I say the word misfit to you, what instantly comes to mind? Misfit. Oh, my gosh. You know, in some ways, I've always felt like a misfit and I'm comfortable with being a misfit. 
um, because I'm not the kind of person that just goes the way of the crowd. Um, that doesn't mean going with the way of the crowd is always a bad thing, but it's typically not what I do, you know. And so, um, probably, I think if we really deep down, many of us have always felt like a misfit. Maybe that's why Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer was one of my favorite. Um, Christmas shows of all time because Rudolph was different and um, I remember being the curl I had huge curly hair as a kid Esther and so I was like that four or five year old child that had these curly hairs and all these older ladies would come up to me and they'd want to literally touch my hair which is really weird when you think about it and they, they were just enamored with my with my curly curly hair and so I was always different right you know from that point um, I was the youngest of five kids um, you know, and so you just always kind of, I think it's kind of normal for all of us to feel different. Um, I think that's a normal, um, part of what grows out of us and we always want to be included. And, and so, and, and I want other people to be included as well. Um, I'm the, I'm the kind of person where if I go to a party and even if it's a picnic or something, and I see that one person sitting by themselves, I like to kind of go and talk to them if I can. Me too. Me too. So it just all depends. It's interesting, isn't it? Because everyone I've asked practically, practically everyone's had a really positive response like you, what you've just said. But if you look up the word misfit in English dictionary, it says criminal, someone on the outside, outcast, breaking the law, someone, it's all negative. It's all bad. Like, and then I find that fascinating because to me, a misfit is just someone who thinks outside the box, who does something their way, who's positive and says, okay, this doesn't work for me, so how am I going to make it work? Gotcha, that, gotcha. That's it. And, uh, and just someone who just thinks of a way and thinks, and, and maybe you're right. I never really thought, one, I love the line that Rudolph is a misfit. I never thought of him as a misfit. I love that. I might have to nick that. But also just that, that all of us are misfits, and really. And I, I've never really seen it like that because I know specifically growing up, I felt my brothers really were misfits. They were ones right. what fitted in. They were the cool ones. They were the ones what had the groups. They were all the always the ones what seemed to fit in perfectly. Now I have no idea if I asked them if that's how they felt. Right. But it's certainly how I perceived them. I was the misfit. They weren't. Well, we we all. I think that's that's our our tendency is to see the people that are cool or athletic. And just because they're cool or athletic or they are good looking or whatever, that doesn't mean they don't have those same insecurities. I think it's pretty common. Um, and, and I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I haven't asked everybody. But I bet you if you really look deep, almost all of us have some type of insecurities and feel like we're a little different. And, you know, the reality of it, uh, Esther, is that we all are different. Yeah. You know, it's one of the beautiful things of humankind. We have our similarities. But uh, the reality is every one of us is different. And, yeah, and, and there's something we need to learn as a world to celebrate and correct. bring together and realize it's our differences what actually make us stronger. For sure. Because if we're sure. all the same, it's like, have you watched the Lego movie? I have I not. Didn't... Okay, okay, this is not going to make sense to you. But people here in the UK must watch the Lego movie. It's a Disney movie. It's all about how all these people are built exactly the same. Like in Lego, literally exactly the same to do the same job. They have the same song. They do the same thing. And then there are these outward guys who start to remodel things and build their own thing and let their imagination go wild. They literally take piece of, pieces of Lego right. and build their own. I mean, the plot is a bit more complicated than that, but basically, for the point I make it, it's, it's like saying, well, but the people, what making the difference, the people are going somewhere, are the people who think differently because they because of the nature of them thinking differently. So if we're looking at the world as a whole and how to move forward and how to face the challenges and how to do all that, surely it's those differences we've got to start to 
honor and represent and look at and say, well, hang on, what this, what we're doing is not working. So what can we do differently? Right, right. And uh, it was interesting because while you were talking, Dave Clark just called me, although I'll call him after this. But, you know, some of our stories that we talk about Dave is of, that he was the Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. He was literally not allowed to participate in his phys ed class as an, as an elementary student when he was in first and second grade. Uh, and, you know, and that's what Rudolph was not allowed to participate in the reindeer games. Dave Clark was not allowed to participate in phys ed class because of his crutches and braces. Um, and it wasn't until a third grade teacher changed all that for him and, and gave him an opportunity to participate, which changed really the course of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's amazing when you look back how we all have those significant moments in yep. our lives. What yep. changed the course of our life. I'm sure your son being born with disability changed the way you looked looked at being a parent, looking at life, looking at the way you were, you know, that must have had significant impact on the way life went from then on. No, no, absolutely. And, you know, even though our goal was to raise Gideon to be independent, to, um, you know, not see the world negatively, you know, those were, you know, to have a joyful spirit, regardless of his situation. Um, but I, I have this one story and it's funny because Gideon and I were just talking about this the other day. It came up and I don't know why, but we were trying to figure out how old he was, but he was watching his older, his oldest sister play volleyball. So he was probably, I want to say five years old. Let's just go with five years old. And we had never really discussed or talked about his limitations on his arms. Just wasn't a topic. He was just Gideon. We did what we needed to do. And here he's watching his oldest sister play volleyball, which you use your arms for. And we were up in the uh, up in a stadium type thing, looking down. And um, this little five year old boy, as cute as can be, basically looks at me and asks me a question and said, "Daddy, when am I going to grow my arms so I can play volleyball?" Oh. And it was like the first time that we really even had this discussion and I was kind of dumbfounded. I'm in this gymnasium. Um, I'm like, not exactly sure how to answer it to a five-year-old. You know, there's no book on telling, you know, how do you answer a question to a five-year-old when he tells you when his arms are going to grow? There's no education for that. And, you know, and I just, just had to just share from my heart, whatever, whatever the words that came out, you know, the Gideon, this is the way you are. Yes, your arms are going to grow, but only proportionately or whatever. You know, I, I didn't think that was too technical. And so I just said, I don't even know what I said. You know, it was just kind of one of those moments um, where whatever the words came out, he just kind of accepted it and went on. It's like I've definitely had that moment since my accident that um, so my accident went on and when I lost my leg that went on and I I remember specifically quite a long time after they taken my leg sitting outside the physio room waiting to go in and I was waiting for the person who got the session before me to finish for them to come out and for me to go in. And there's this like corridor wait seats to the row of seats in the corridor. There's no reception. There was no anything. You just walk to the end of the corridor. The gym was on your left and there was a row of seats that you'd wait by until you got called into the gym. Right. That's how it worked. And I sat down and I'd been there several times before. But for whatever reason, I noticed for the first time a poster what said Ampetee's Clinic. And it hit me for the first time, even though they'd taken my leg months, months before, that I would be an amputee for the rest of my life. Right. And I I still wake up every morning with this sort of vague, you know, when that split second when you're not completely awake, when you're somewhere between asleep and awake. Right. And I still have the thought, oh, maybe it was just a bad dream. Maybe I'll reach down and feel my leg. Maybe today I'll wake up and realize I'll reach down and feel my leg. And I don't know if that will ever go away. 
maybe it will, maybe it won't. But there is still that kind of concept of in lots and lots of ways, I don't feel like I am particular. I don't. Well, you're still whole, then, your, your whole body's whole. I mean, you're you're still a whole person. And yeah, yeah but then there's the odd thing what will come up and then there's the odd thing like playing volleyball, like doing this, that whether I'm on my fake leg or not, today I was up on my fake leg. Today, I did a hell of a lot of walking, exhausted. But it will always just be a metal bar. Whether I end up wearing it all day, every day, it will never be another leg. I'll never grow another leg. It's always going to be a metal bar. And there will all be always be some limitations with that. But right. there's also some good things about that. Like now I can kick people and pretend it's an accident as it actually hurts because I have a better foot. So I'm like, watch out. Don't annoy me. I have a better foot. And so, you know, there, there's, I can't say it's all being negative. I can't say it's all being positive. It's somewhere in between. But there's definitely those moments. I still feel like that five-year-old you're describing for your son. Oh, yeah, when's my leg going to grow back? When's this going to happen? And I might have a grown woman who knows logically that's not going to happen. But there's still, I don't know if that sort of thought or that question will ever completely go away. Right. And those thoughts too are the same. You know, I remember when my dad passed away and uh, for months I'd have dreams where he was right there. And it was like, no, he wasn't there, you know, and you, you have this thought where they're going to come back and they just, they can't, they're not going to, but it, it never, that never really leaves you. Um, And I think that would be a similar thing of what you're dealing with, with your, with your, with your leg. Or what your son is dealing with, with his arms. You know, it's just, it just is, isn't it? It's just something that you grow to adapt. And I can't say everything I've gone through has been a bad experience since I've lost my leg. I can't. There's right. been a lot of real positives that have come out of it. Right. But there's been some heartbreaking bad things too. I mean, it's just, but it's just a mixture of life. It's a mixture of base, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's so many things and we don't know what our tomorrow is going to hold. And, you know, we all have uh, a different hurdle to get over. And, and this is one of your hurdles right now. And and the thing about you, uh, Dave, my other Dave, my son, is keeping that positive attitude through it. Because I've I've been around folks with limitations, disabilities, and they are drawn to the negative side of it. And I don't think, I, whether you have a disability or not, when you're drawn to the negative, um, it can overwhelm you and, and it certainly can beat you up and it can make you age. I think it you know puts more stress on your life, those around you. And, um, you, know, where, you, you know, where you're so much fun is that in spite of all these challenges, you're, you're staying positive. And I'm sure you have your moments. Don't get me wrong. Everybody has their moments. Moments, but I've also been around people who are incredibly negative, and I can't bear it. I literally can't bear it. It right. makes me want to scream at them or slap right. them, or I like I just just come here. And um, so one when I had my accident, I made a promise to myself that I'd never be like my mum. So my mum came towards the end of her life probably then last 10, 15 years of her life, where she, as far as I'm concerned, she just existed. She just she just sat in her chair. She didn't really do anything. Not that she didn't have the opportunity. Everyone was trying to get her to do stuff. Right. But she just wouldn't. She came so scared of everything. She just existed at home in her chair. Yeah, that's sad. And, and I promised myself that would never be me. I promised myself that would never be me. And I am pretty determined to keep that promise. Well, I think you want to keep that. And I want to learn how better that I can help pull you along in that direction. Because your spirit obviously uh, is flowing and it's helped us. You don't realize how much a help you were um, just in joining our collective at the time you did it. And, you know, so being able to work with you and be connected with you. 
it was definitely meant to be at that time. You know, I had the funds to do it. I had the time to do it. I My business was in the place that I wanted to do it because, it, you know, me wanting to combine my business with working with misfits and people who don't get given the same opportunity. So right. whether it is that you're physically disabled or whether it's that you've been homeless or you've had addiction problems or, or you know, you've been in prison or whatever it is, I have a, a, a real desire, a burning desire to do my business. Because technically I can work with anyone who's 18 or over. The only requirement to do this is legally be 18. That is it. So that's quite a wide niche. So everyone who gets involved chooses their own little niche. Because if you don't, it just doesn't work because you're, where do you aim the business? Where do you focus on? Because it's right. too wide. Too wide. 18 over is just ridiculously wide. Right. And so it actually doesn't work. So um, I think one of the reasons Tasha's um, wanted to combine us so much is she knew I was looking for people to connect with. Right. Who worked in certain groups that I could bring my business into so I could help other people I can give other people opportunities that I wish I'd had at different parts of my life or opportunities that I can see how it would work explode expand whatever so these this it was the right timing for me and where my business was as much as for you and where your collective was it was it all came together just at the right moment yep and then we're just looking for more folks just like you i mean really we want folks that want to pull each other along and in their business and and ultimately it's our life it's you know people want to say they can do compartmentalize your life and your business and all that kind of stuff but really it all gets mushed together whether we like it or not and yes there's time when we're just spending time with somebody and it's not good to be on your cell phone uh, making orders or whatever you're doing but you know we do it's it's what we do in our business is part of our life and our existence and and um and obviously i'm hoping we want to find more people um in their business that want to help pull others along and and do some serious good in this world as well and more people who can see it as a positive and thing and just, you know, I mean, I was going to touch base when we were talking about negative and say, you know, there was literally someone who I used to work with who was saying, oh, I can't go anywhere. I can't do this. My lifesaver, my lifesaver, because she'd lost black. And mm. then she was like, oh, I don't want to put this on my son. I don't want to do this to my son. I don't want to do this to my daughter. And I was like, do you honestly, you, you want the truth? You're destroying your children by staying at home. Your children don't mind helping you. What is the hardest thing is for them to sit here and watch you waste away. Right. That's not the truth. I did with my mum. It's much harder to watch her waste away than actually help her with her disability. I would have much preferred being out dealing with her disability, but her doing stuff. And finding adaptions and finding wheelchairs, finding all that, than having to watch my mum cease to exist. Right, right. Years and years and years. To, and I literally just, I was brutally harsh with this lady. I really was. I was like, you want to help, you want to protect your son and daughter, don't let them watch you waste away. Right. Don't let them watch you come so scared to go out. Don't let them watch you not exist anymore. Show them that no matter the fact you lost your legs, you're still you're still their mum. You're still the person you've always been. You're just slightly shorter than you were. <laughs> well, you can get a longer leg. <laughs> and um, you're just slightly shorter when you're sitting down because you're in a wheelchair. You know, you're just slightly and um. <laughs> And and she ended up bursting in tears. I ended up giving them a big hug and say, you know what, I'm telling you this because I care. And also because I can't bear hearing the negativity anymore. I can't bear hearing how hard and difficult it is for you. Because right, it just right. changed. 
You've got all this support. You've got all these people running around desperate trying to help you. I'd give anything for that. And I don't have it. You don't have it so bad. Get a grip. Just get a grip and get on with your life. Yep. Um, so I'm definitely very encouraged about being surrounded by positive people, looking at what people can do, not what people can't do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's uh, really kind of our journey, whether it's in my Pulling Each Other Along book, um, my Pound of Kindness children's book. You know, it's it's all about um, positivity and acts of kindness that change the world. And obviously what we do with Disability Dream and Do events, um, those are acts of kindness that people like you are now helping me with, but they're making an impact to uh, to many, many people. That's it. I hope that I actually, what I put out there and the ways that I help and offer help actually benefit people in the collective. You know, I yeah. hope people take take up the opportunity to do with what I'm offering and actually benefit from it. Uh, you know, the saddest thing for me is when I offer things and no one really doesn't, doesn't take up the opportunity, shall we say. Right. And it, you, we, well, you just have to find the right ones that will take it. And you you probably have learned along the way, you know, there's a lot of people that they're not going to take the, you know, join me in the pulling each other on collective. I'm just looking for the ones that will. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm aware of the time we've been talking for quite a long while. So um, it seems like quite a good place to wrap it up. Before we do, let let it be the last word come from you. Is there anything else you want to say, mention, do? I don't know. I don't know. It's just a joy to get to know you. And, you know, one of the things that I came up with years ago is that there is a time to pull and there's also a time not to pull. And then there's a time to be pulled and then there's a time not to be pulled. And all of that is a balance of how we help each other and how we um, grow forward in our lives and and hopefully in our businesses, um, which I said earlier, is all combined. And uh, we just want to be pulling each other along um, to a more productive life, regardless of our limitations and challenges. I also would add to that there's times to kick people up the us, but that's just me. Okay, that sounds good. Do you know what circus is? Sorry, that might not mean anything to you. Do you know what that is? Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay, we'll leave it there then. <laughs> Thank you very, very much for your time and help. Um, I really appreciate everything you're no, doing. I appreciate, I appreciate your heart excited. as well, Esther. I am so excited about the work we're coming to do and what the future leads us to and watch out guys there's going to be a lot of things coming up with what I'm doing with the collective this month um let, definitely in the next few days things will be out and coming a bit clearer all yeah. right we'll take care Doug and I will speak to you really soon all right Esther thank you and have a great well it's our holiday not your holiday but have a have a great uh, week in this uh, early July I will thanks bye take care bye-bye